Welcome to the Scandinavian Mind podcast, our weekly show about how technology is changing the creative industries. Today on the program, we take a look at EU and academia's role in fashion's green transformation. We are revisiting a talk from Transformation Conference in Helsinki back in May of this year, where we gathered investors, policymakers, brand owners, business leaders and academia to discuss fashion's imminent need for transformation. Now, we've talked before on this podcast about the upcoming EU regulations and how that will affect fashion in a big way. Just scroll down uh, on your episode list and you'll find more on that. And in this talk, we'll meet some of the people who are at the forefront of this change. Mauro Scalia is the Director of Sustainable Businesses at Euratex in Brussels. Marika Ularanta is Head of Decarbonization Industries in Business Finland. Kirsi Ninimaki is Associate Professor of Design and Fashion Research and Research Team Leader of Fashion and Textile Futures at Aalto University. And at last we have Emilia Gedda, Chief Advisor, Sustainability and Circular Economy of Finnish Textiles and Fashion. Now these bright minds talk about in this conversation how big the new EU legislations actually are. What organizations and academia can do to help prepare the industry for this upcoming transformation. And where you'll find the best resources for understanding what's happening in the EU right now. My name is Konrad Olsson, Editor-in-Chief and Founder of Scandinavian Mind. And I'm so excited about sharing this talk. Uh, it's at the heart of what we want to do with Scandinavian Mind is bring people together from all walks of the fashion system um, to discuss what's happening. And of course, this is what we've been doing with Transformation Conference now for three years. And just a reminder, don't miss the upcoming Stockholm edition of Transformation Conference taking place during Nordic Fabric Fair on August 31st. There's still a few tickets left, so visit scandinavianmind.com slash transconf to sign up. scandinavianmind.com slash transconf. And if you want to go back and visit or, or watch the talks from Helsinki, uh, including Maruskalia's own keynote presentation, which I highly recommend you uh, take a look at. Mauro will also come to st- the Stockholm event to do an updated version of this keynote. But if you want to take a look at the one he did in, in Helsinki, uh, visit ScandinavianMind.com and scroll down the news list to, to see the on-demand uh, videos there. Here now, my conversation with Mauro Scalia, Marika Ularanta, Kirsi Ninimaki and Emilia Gedda from Transformation Conference in Helsinki earlier this year. Enjoy. The talk of what's happening in the EU is buzzing all around the industry. I talk to many fashion brands, retailers, people who are on the supply side. And um, there's a lot of worry, a lot of confusion. What's going to happen? How will this affect me? Uh, And even though I think many people want to help drive change, there's also the consideration of how will this affect my life. Uh, One thing you said that was very clear is if you don't comply, you cannot sell in the EU. That's a very strong statement. Is there a way to Describe how massive this change is for the fashion industry. Um, it's an open question, but for anyone working in fashion, how 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 much will this affect uh, people in the industry? 
is big. <laughs> it's very big. Uh, I think the 16 boxes picture was scaring enough. So I think that's a scary picture, if you like. Um, because as I mentioned, it goes all across the board. Um, what I think is quite unprecedented is the interest a, a policymaker has put into this value chain. Because whatever we talk about chemicals, we talk about due diligence, we talk about traceability, textile is the number one value chain which is addressed. Which is also worrying because people mix everything. Um, when they say textile, they mean garments. It's not the same thing. Uh, technical textile, firefighters' uniforms, medical textiles is not fashion. Uh, what is fashion? It's ultra fashion, it's high quality luxury. Define fact, we don't have a definition of fashion. So they put all everything in, in a blender, if you like. Uh, there will be a, a report voted by the parliament tomorrow called any um, report on the textile strategy, which really mix everything. There are 40 points um, raising the bar. You need to be better here, 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 and there. So it is big. It's unprecedented ch um, challenge. Um, a few months ago, we were in Davos in Switzerland, a global value chain conference. We were explaining the same picture to industry from um, Bangladesh, India, uh, Korea, they dropped the jaw. They had mm. no clue what was going on. Mm. They didn't know. At least in Europe, you have a closer way to get to know about that. Um, but this is something that is going to affect the global value chain. So it is big. It will be mandatory. It will affect the cost of the business, the organizational model of the business. It will probably also affect the cost consumers pay when they buy garments. Some say it's going to be very good because if you increase the price, you buy less, maybe. Um, and we don't see any, any way this will not go ahead. And that's my last comment. Because even though we need to protect that's what Eurotex does, also the competitiveness of the business, um, you see climate crisis challenges every other week. And, and summertime is the perfect seasons. In my country, there were huge floods a few days ago, catastrophic events. There are always catastrophic events. So policymakers, they see these events, they see textile, they see we need to make laws to stop that. So it's going to be big, and at least the good news is that we have a little bit of time to give ideas how to fix these things. We're going to talk about those ideas here. We're going to solve everything in this panel, I'm sure. Uh, one, one last question uh, as a comment to or follow-up to your presentation. If, Eurotex is actually working together with the fashion brands, and you're, you're, or you're partnering with them. Uh, I'm curious, uh, in the dialogue you have with the, these, these big fashion organizations, you mentioned Inditex, of course, which is Sara and Massimo Dutti and all these brands. Are they welcoming it? Are they scared? What's the attitude from the industry that you see or hear? Now, that's a difficult one because, again, I, uh, I, I don't find it useful to generalize the fashion industry. The fashion industry, it's, it's hundreds of thousands of companies. Fair enough. First and foremost, we represent the small and medium-sized companies. I want to specify that because we represent 155,000 companies in the EU and in Europe. In the EU, sorry. Uh, Say that again. How many? 155,000, if the last year figures are correct. That's a handful of brands. Yeah. Uh, manufacturing mostly, but yes, vertically integrated, some are brands, um, it, it's very large, and most 99% is small and medium-sized companies. They, they really freak out when they see about the cost and the structure that is uh, upon them. 
So it depends what capacity you have and what drive your business models. Mm. There are companies in the fashion industry that have said, I want to be more sustainable, I make commitments, I deploy my resource, I invest. They probably might be better prepared to face some challenges. There are companies which already produce high quality or they're very sustainable. They might even not see big differences because imagine we increase the average quality of shirts. If I already produce high quality, no panic. Hmm. I might have some cost to demonstrate that, to test it, or to put this info in a digital product passport, but I don't have to revolutionize my supply chain. If I'm producing very cheap stuff, very quality, low quality stuff, then I have an issue. So let's say the fashion industry respond to these pressures with concern, I agree, everybody, because it's big and, you know, demand is fluctuating, inflation is not a good time for the business to invest in sustainability, point one. But it, based on your business models and your interest that you are more or less worried, you are more or less prepared to deal with the change. Hmm. If you work with quality, don't panic. That's what I heard. Um, I'm going to bring in some, some local perspective. Uh, QC, you work with some of these issues from uh, maybe a more academic point of view. Uh, you have several projects going on. Uh, can you mention maybe one or two that, that uh, relates to what we're talking about here and some of the big systemic issues? Yes. Uh, in academia, actually, it's quite interesting because companies really want to collaborate with us, even if we are more this kind of academic partner. And currently, there are several research works ongoing which links to this transformation. One is the Phoenix. Uh, which uh, focus on this uh, transformation in, in Finland, in textile and fashion sector. Uh, it's multidisciplinary collaboration, so there are many different research tracks ongoing. Uh, and the funding comes from Academy of Finland, strategic funding, so uh, the aim is also have a quite big societal impact mm. to our work. Uh, so when we have been in that, working with different companies, for example, linking to quality aspect, design strategies, product lifetimes, textile waste, uh, but also this kind of like a more like societal aspect in the developing countries, what happens in there and also the enabling policy. There has been a lot of research done in the, in the data, uh, this uh, transparency aspect in supply chain, as well as digital product passport. So there are many different streams ongoing, but what we are talking that we, are, we have to do this kind of like a systemic change. Change and there we need uh, co collaboration with the companies, uh, and um, yes, and the policy making is one part of it. So, for example, this spring, Aalto University has been running workshop together with uh, Ministry of Environment and different companies. And the idea is that we will uh, we will construct uh, these voluntary green deals with the companies. What kind of changes they are ready to do? So that's like a, like a shared shared. Uh, collaboration, so quite interesting. And then the New Cotton project, which is funded by EU, uh, and they actually try to, to demonstrate what happens when we are scaling up this textile waste recycling. So there's the whole supply chain is actually included. Infinity Fiber Company is running the project, uh, and they have the one technology which uh, links to textile waste recycling to new high-quality fibers again. Uh, but then there are yarn, textile, throughout the whole supply chain and also Adidas and H&M are involved in there. Uh, and I, I think that that's quite interesting because uh, the idea is that uh, we need to have different kind of knowledges. We have to build different kind of ecosystem when we talk about textile circularity, for example. So textile waste collectors, for example, have to bring in their knowledge so that actually that knowledge then could be then brought back to design guidelines, what Adidas, for example, is now updating. So that's, that's actually quite interesting. 
Yeah, and, and uh, uh, recycling. We should mention that you in Finland here are kind of on the forefront of recycling. You are implementing uh, mandatory recycling. It's already implemented, right, this, this year. Uh, you mentioned talking, working with uh, companies and working with the industry. Um, what's your kind of take on the temperature? Uh, what kind of, uh, we talked about worries before that I hear a lot. Are people uh, engaged in this issue or open to change or just as a general uh, point of view? Yeah, I think, that, well, depends a bit on whom you are talking to. I think that in Europe, European level, everyone understands that big changes are coming uh, mm. and some are really worried that what this means from their business side. Uh, but then we have some, some uh, companies who are really wanting to come in and, and uh, make this collaboration so that they understand what they can do and what their role will be in the future. Uh, as we heard already that might be that some other countries, they are, they are not quite understanding what, what actually is happening and how big the change will be. Uh, but uh, I, I, I think that everyone understands that changes are coming and, and but what that means from their own business is actually quite critical. And what we have been trying to also uh, send the messages to the, uh, to the EU uh, so that actually whatever kind of regulations uh, or legislations are coming that we are not excluding small and medium-sized companies as we already heard mm -hmm. from this uh, starting, starting speak. So that's really important that well if you are making regulations that only the big companies can follow that they are so costly so then that actually might lose quite a lot of companies who are really sustainable. Very often, mm. actually, these small ones are, they are advancing, they, they are testing different kind of business models, for example. So in that sense, we have to take care of that, actually. From the business point of view, everyone can also be on board. So is there a level of raising awareness or knowledge within these companies? Is that a big issue, do you think? Yes, absolutely. And that's, I think that uh, quite many companies want to be involved of, of these research projects, for example, that they want to to, to, they want to get the newest information and what we are trying to do as an academia, so we always try to publish our latest research, open access online immediately, so that actually all players get the same information. Hmm. Emilia, I want to go over to you. You, work, you represent Finnish textile and fashion and you've heard now uh, Maro's perspective. I know you're a member of Eurotech, so you know each other since before. Can you give kind of a Finnish spin on what we just heard. Can you can you talk about this from a local perspective? How how would you apply this to the industry here in uh, in the Nordics, perhaps Finland specifically? Yeah. So, yeah. As Mauro mentioned already, so a lot is going on, and and the companies uh, are preparing. Uh, many of them already have uh, implemented. So, uh, like sustainability aspects in, into their uh, business operations and, and now we will have the legislation as well. So um, if I generalize a bit, so, so the companies are, uh, have, have a positive approach to this, mm. that we're moving forward on this side and, and uh, the legislation also supports it. But yes, it's a huge amount and a huge transformation that that is coming in the coming years. So, so that can be also considered a bit stressful 
because of the costs and the resources needed. Mm. What, what help do you think the fashion industry needs? If you would mention a few things. Is it, is it knowledge? Is it financial support? Is it legal support? I'm sure it's many different things you have to, com if you have to comply with. Can you give a sense of that? Yeah, so it's various support. It's, it's financial support uh, that is needed because uh, it's a huge jump to, me, to be made mm. uh, in the future and it, in, it requires technology skills and, and so forth. Uh, and um, then, of, of course, also like, like uh, support to understand where we are and where we are going. So, so different different kinds of support and also support to to like build new kinds of ecosystems and and find new partners within the industry as well as from other industries. Can you give an example of that and new partnerships that are are perhaps happening? Yeah, we have great examples. Probably. We will hear about them today mm. as well, uh, but uh, uh, one example I could mention is the textile and forest industry uh, collaboration. And, and this collaboration has, has uh, from that collaboration we have, for example, Spinova or Infinity Fiber. We'll hear more from Spinova in just a second here. Um, speaking about support, uh, Marika, uh, I want to bring in Business Finland into this. I mean, your job is to help foster connections in the industry in, in different ways. Um, uh, maybe give a, a little bit of an overview of what you do and, and talk about some areas that you think we need to work on to tackle these challenges. Yeah, uh, I work for Business Finland and we found the Finnish companies to do these innovations and my role is also to speed up these green transitions with these Finnish innovations mostly. Uh, we are aiming to have a meetings for example with the international clients and uh, I work with the, for the textile industry but the other industries are like a steel and chemical and, and the food industry. And uh, I have like a key, three key sort of like a points but should be happening or I, how I see it happening is like, uh, first of all, the knowledge sharing. You mentioned about the communication, but the, there seems to be a lot of like a lack of information, what kind of innovations there are already available and uh, to sort of like a take in a use and co-pilot together with the fashion brands and textile manufacturing companies. Then the second one is to actually take them in a use, but I also have heard from the fashion brands that they are sort of like uh, having a bit of difficulties to understand what are the technologies that they are then capable to scale mm. up to sort of like a trust on the technology because it is an investment and uh, you build your sort of like a story and the sustainability strategy also based on those. Uh, technologies. So that is something that the, which is sort of like a, this, I would say collaboration is definitely needed because this needs to be done together because these uh, Finnish innovation companies are not able to scale up together. We, they need these fashion brands and the textile manufacturing companies to co-pilot co and test and also to co-create for the future innovations. And this also comes to this that the, you mentioned about this competitiveness and I guess that the, 
the problem is so huge that this, there is room for everybody who is willing to make the change. So more like this co cooperation, in my mm. opinion, is needed, especially in the European Union area, if we want to solve this. If we are having like a few years time, like nine million tons of the textile waste, so there is for everybody, I would say. And uh, then keep going with the innovations, so not sort of like a satisfied with the current situation and uh, look for new opportunities, because there is a lot of uh, problems to solve also. Uh, you work with many different uh, industries, but and uh, you told me at dinner last night this was your favorite industry to work with. Uh, I will hold you to that. But there's another thing you mentioned which I thought was really interesting, and this, this kind of need for transparency mm -hmm. from the fashion industry. This is a challenge for you when working with the industry. They're not releasing information or they're not talking about their issues. Can you, can you talk a little bit more about I thought that was really fascinating. So I work internationally and I see these international companies and uh, from different industries as well, like I mentioned. And they have quite strong sustainability strategies in a place and they also communicate that where are they planning to invest in in the next few years. Mm. It's quite transparent and it's also easy is my job to sort of like a, what kind of companies to introduce for those companies. But with the textile industry, the, of course it's so scattered and the value chains are not so transparent and where also the, actually the company is willing to sort of like a prioritize and is able to actually uh, have an impact. That is another question. So it is, it is not very clear, at least for me. Maybe the Finnish companies can then open up in their discussions that how hard they find it. But at least for me, it's really hard to understand uh, where the priorities are for the next two years to make the change. Because it would also speed up the process. We could concentrate also on the similar topics if yeah. that kind of transparency would exist. It's a very interesting ask of industry. Be more be more open about, about your priorities. Um, uh, as uh, predicted, we're <laughs> already running a little late. We have so much to talk about. I want to touch on a couple of things before we round up. And there's one term that keeps popping up that a lot of people are asking questions about. So maybe we can just touch on it. Mara, you mentioned it in your presentation. That is the issue of the digital product passport, which I think from my perspective, it kind of sums up a lot of the things that are happening and it kind of bundles it into this, uh, this concept of a passport where a lot of the actions that you take, uh, the, obviously a lot of the materials and the production and everything, has to be documented in this yeah. passport. Can you describe what the product passport is for anyone who doesn't know what, it, what it's supposed to be? You asked me to describe something which is not there yet. No. That, and it's funny because you really see consultants popping up right and left, going to our company and say, hey, I have a service for you. I'm going to teach you how to use a DPP. And I'm impressed because these guys must know much more than we do <laughs> because it's not there yet. So how can you advise not to use? Now, you can advise on traceability, yes. But the DPP is an evolving beast, if we can say that. We're not live stream, I suppose. So, no. Okay, that's good. Um, so essentially, um, it will be a responsibility for those who place the product in the market, imagine a big brand, to collect data in its supply chain. So they will be obliged to be transparent to some data. 
Uh, smaller companies perhaps might be exempted by that, based on the size, but it's still part of a negotiation. So I'm a brand, I'm selling a shirt, I have the responsibility of collecting information using a, a system, an IT infrastructure that has been developed by the European Commission, using standards that either already exist or will be developed until over the next three, three years by the European Commission uh, through our mandate. Uh, so there is an IT infrastructure, and the good news is that policymakers are taking care of that, because I don't know about your experience with IT, but I can't even check in a hotel without having 10 times problem with IT. So this is being taken care of. What the business need to focus in how to collect the data, how to harmonize the data. And then what we advocate for is the business should also choose. Some data will be mandatory probably, but some should be uh, confidential because certain things are my secrets. I mean, I don't want to tell this to my competitors. We should respect that. Some instruction for recycling perhaps should be there, but maybe others should not be there. This has been negotiated. Interesting point, maybe not so much for the consumer, but important for everybody, is that it should be automatically read by the customs. It sounds like a geek thing, but it's not, because of all these 28 billion, 23 billion products we import, they are not checked, as we said. If we can find a way also to use the DPP to have automatic check when they are imported, because 80% of what we wear comes from outside the EU, could be sustainable, could be not, we don't know, hmm. but it could. Uh, if we have automatic check, that's also a huge value of DPP. So responsibility comes for the big brands, it should have traceability, inform consumers, and hopefully enable market surveillance. That's so if, if someone is selling you a DPP right now, they're right. probably uh, hustling you in some, some way. Casey, are, uh, are you looking into this with, with the product passport as well? What, what role do you see for it in the industry? Yes, I think that that's really important. We really have to have more transparency throughout the supply chain and, and also collect different kind of information which actually also will ease the recycling of the garment at the end of the life. But uh, right now there are different kind of models under development uh, and one actually uh, model has been developed in Phoenix Project, for example, uh, from our research partner. Uh, and they are talking about this life cycle information management tool and it's based on this kind of digital twin, meaning that, well, there are some visible uh, data but also a lot of data at the background in cloud services. Uh, and we have actually tested that one, that what kind of information is possible to, to collect throughout the supply chain is really Mm. challenging, but we have listed that what, what kind of chemicals, fibers, processes, finishes. Uh, so, and a couple of companies have been in, involved in this, but the idea is also that, well, we have to also bring back, back something for the companies. So, what yeah. kind of information we can collect that would actually help companies to to, to communicate, for example, and, and then there are some figures that is possible to then calculate, for example, carbon footprint or water footprint, so that you have that something that actually you can also then tell to customers why this product is better than the other one. Mm. But probably there will be a lot of information which is not available for the consumer side, but, but might be need at the, for example, in the recycling processes, but how that happens in reality is still under development. But mm. I think that that will actually change the game quite a lot. Yeah. Emilia, when you work with your, your members, uh, if you give them advice on where to, to sort of gather information and learn more, uh, what, what do you tell them? Uh, do you refer to the digital product passport now? Or, but for or example, or? but there are so many issues to tackle, as we mentioned. So, uh, I mean, I'm sure you provide them with information, but are there other sources that you um, recommend? 
Yeah, so we provide or try at least provide as much uh, information and as clearly as possible and also discuss with our member companies uh, about what is going on uh, in the industry. Uh, but uh, then we saw that Eurotex also uh, provide information uh, publicly available. So On social media also. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, so that's also like we, we try to also inform about this. Yep. So, so there is like information available. And then we shouldn't forget the academia who, who also has a crucial role here uh, through doing the research and, and in that way also provide information. So, so like we could say that uh, many stakeholders and you can get information uh, from different angles from different parts so so that is something that we also try to like gather and provide to to our member companies wonderful we have to wrap it up now there's so much more to talk about but maybe uh, these four wonderful smart people can be some of your connections here today i would like to thank mauro marika casey and emilia round of applause You've been listening to the Scandinavian Mind podcast with me, Konrad Olsson. This show was edited by Erik Sedin. Don't forget to sign up to our newsletter not to miss out on any upcoming talks and events. Visit ScandinavianMind.com newsletter. Till next week, goodbye. <laughs>